0: Welcome in to the latest edition of the Character Concerns Podcast. My name is Christian Ossera. I am joined, as always, by the illustrious Jay Binkley, our uh, football expert here at 610 Sports Radio. And uh, right now we are... It's funny because we're obviously going to talk a lot of college today. We're going to get into this uh the big betting scandal, the gambling scandal that's been happening up in the state of Iowa. Yeah, I was I, got some issues. I was got some and I and I, you know what? I I am willing to bet that we're going to see more schools get into trouble like this. they really will. Um we're going to talk about NIL and how you've got the government getting involved here lately with trying to control it. And we're also going to preview the uh the edge rusher position for the uh 2024 class in the uh, NFL draft people to watch out for in the, the 2023 season. Um, but right now we are actually currently sitting here waiting for Williams. Noaneri. Uh, a Noah Neri. A uh, the, depends on where you you look at, but he's either number one or number three overall in uh, this year's draft in this year's recruiting class. Well, next <laughs> year's recruiting class. Um, he is an edge rusher. He goes to Lee summit North. I've had the privilege of seeing this kid play. In person before. Uh, last year, I went to uh, a game between Lee, Lee Summit North and Staley. Went there because uh, uh, one of my little cousins was actually playing for Staley at the time. And so, had an opportunity to see him. And uh, man, like, whoever whoever gets his services is a real talent, is gonna get in a real talent, real talent here, five star talent. Um, there have been four schools that have been linked to him there's Mizzou, local school here, there's Oklahoma. There's Tennessee and there's Georgia. Those are the four schools that have been linked to him uh, at the very at the very top end. So, uh, got some options here. You're, you're talking about um, basically three SEC schools and one soon-to-be SEC school that he's being linked to. So, this will be interesting here. This would be a huge win for Mizzou. Mizzou right now, uh, recruiting-wise, is not doing great. They are, I think. Last time I checked, they were 60th in the nation as far as their 2024 recruiting class goes. They could really gain some ground here by going out and nabbing a five star here
1: in in, in no Yeah, pick six uh six out of seven teams in their division, in the SEC in the preseason yeah. poll, but all that could change. All yeah. that could change quickly. It
0: could all change. I mean, and not only and obviously we know this. For as big as this recruitment could be for whoever school gives him, with the transfer portal being the way it is. These kids, a lot of times, will commit one place, go there for a year, and then they change their mind and transfer somewhere else. So, this doesn't mean that he's ever going to play for which, which, whichever school he commits to. This could change on a dime. This could—he could very well change his mind, go somewhere else. So, yeah, he could switch it if, if drink was some reason.
1: Yeah, you know, he could make change. He
0: could change before he signs because we see that all the time and he too. Is at
1: the transfer portal after yeah, a year too. So.
0: Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, like, the, nothing is set in stone here, but. It is a big win for whatever school gets his services. Uh, but yeah, Which would be the second one for Mizzou. Exactly, and yeah. Since
1: Doriel Green Beckham having the number one recruit yeah, in the nation. DGB. And then they also got...
0: Uh, Luther Burden. Luther Burden. Was it two years recruit. ago? Uh, they got, they yeah, got I mean, Luther Burden. He was Burden. In
1: as high as these guys are. But no, not at all.
0: Um, but yeah, this would be a huge victory for Drink. Uh, last year's recruiting class wasn't quite as well. This past year's recruiting class wasn't wasn't quite at, at the level that the 22 class was. So this would be a great way for him to salvage that because I think he might be on the hot seat this year. Um, so, yeah, we'll, if, if it happens live, if it happens as we're recording, we will update you on that. But I want to get into this college football betting issue. Um, you've had multiple players who have played for Iowa and Iowa State. Who have been caught, who have been investigated for betting on games. Many of them using the accounts set up by family members, friends. To Mom bet and dad. On game. Mom and dad to bet on their team's game. Not just betting on games in general, betting on their team's games. And now this is starting to become the NCAA's worst nightmare. Like with all of... We, the NCAA has fought tooth and nail to ensure that there is no blemish as on, their, on their name as far as the integrity of their sport. Um, if you remember back in the, uh, in the 90s, they were very, very antagonistic towards the UNLV because UNLV was very good. UNLV had a lot of accusations of giving out improper benefits to recruits. And so there were some question marks. About the legality of their uh, of their team of their teams and whatnot, as far as players being eligible, and it's one of the reasons why the NCAA very much hammered at university, and now you've got an issue where legalized gambling is causing problems with integrity in college sports. You just had the um, announcement over the weekend that. Pin Gaming, the company that was running Barstool Sportsbook, they separated themselves from Barstool and now we're going to be running ESPN, ESPN's sportsbook, ESPN Bet, as they're getting into the game now, and there's reports that their people are going to they're going to have to like discourage their own uh personalities yeah, from they being say going to betting. Betting. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> go second or third pick. So it yeah, could swing the line. So how should the NCAA, with all of this money being tossed in on
1: gambling, how should the NCAA stop players from betting on games? I, I don't know. I mean, this is something that honestly they could have been doing the whole time, right? I mean, there was no restrictions, right? Right. I mean, there's the offshore accounts and anything anybody else does, or in states that have it legal. I think we're up to thirty three or thirty four states have legalized it at this point. It Just makes it easier, right? If you're within those, or like how many kids go across the border or whatever state they're in, you know, to lay some. So some bets and see where you're going. Here's the thing with with college athletics: is I guess you would be okay with doing other sports. The NFL is kind of iffy because you could have a former teammate or something from last year, or last season that you right. know well on you know the NFL that team, game. yeah. And I don't know how you monitor it, especially when family gets involved, their aunts and uncles placing bets for you or a friend or girlfriend. Now, that that's risky, though, because that's only something they have to hold over you at that point as far as them placing bets with you. Because how many times is that going to come back, Chris? A scolded lover. <laughs> yeah. You know, all of a sudden say, well, I'm going to say about uh, I took pictures of all these bets I placed for yeah. you. Yeah, It's fine for me to do, but not fine for you to do. So which direction are you going to go? Who knows where this is going to go? But they have their hands full with nil, and I always thought that college football at some point would need to – uh well, it's getting out of it, it's getting out of it's getting out of control because with nil, which is fine, nil nil's Neil, fine. Pay hey, these athletes. We've always said, said that, and they should get their money, but they, they don't want the wild Bald west either coming in because I, I remember Jordy Nelson interviewed him a couple years ago about this situation and he had talked to Kansas State you know football players about it. But you got to be careful. And with Miami giving all that money, the Hurricanes giving all that money to the players. You've got to keep track of it, the money you're getting, because there is taxes due on things um, that you have, and I don't know how that works out. I mean, that's that's a complicated. It's complicated for pro athletes to have to pay taxes in every city. They like Kansas City. You play here; it's a one percent earnings tax. Even for the people in PR from other teams that come in and play the Chiefs, you, you've got to pay it. But they always need like a separate thing, because the IRS will come for their checks. They will come for their money at some point and take a look at it. And you don't want this to be a problem in college athletics. Like you don't want guys getting behind before they get started, before you get that contract and things like this. But I don't know what you do, Chris. Um obviously these casinos have some smart people with them. They know who's placing bets. The one thing you don't want to see is games being thrown because of it. Like you've seen old guys you know performance that have laid bets. Did you bet on the win or lose? Like you never want to bet on your team to lose. Like you don't want to see them bet on their team, period. But if they bet on it to win you don't like it, but as a better, you're kind of like, okay, well, this guy wanted us to win, so he's gonna, you know, put forth the effort to win. But when that player bets on you to lose, then then you're like, okay, wait a second here. Do I know that you fumbled it? I've watched college football back. I remember a game, a long time ago, and don't want to say who the player was and all that, but it was a great player and looking to go to the next level. I was like, I don't like the way he's playing. I don't like the way the fumbles that like. I have no idea what happened or what could happen. Sometimes you see bizarre fumbles out of nowhere, and you sometimes it it, it shouldn't be in the back of your mind, but it is. But that's that's the real thing. If you bet on your team, especially to lose, you never want to bet on them. Period. If it's your team, but betting on them to lose, that's where you lose the integrity of the sport. So I, I,
0: I'm sometimes I can be a little bit conspiratorial in nature. So I understand where you're coming from about. Seeing a player kind of play out of character, and your mind just wanders to, I wonder if uh, he's on the take here. So, I, believe me, I can understand that. I do believe that throughout the history of college sports and professional sports, there probably have been players who have either placed bets or have been paid to throw games. I mean, we obviously know that that was one of the things with like the the Black Sox scandal. Where those players were paid to blow games. They were, they were, they were paid to throw the World Series. And it was actually very common in baseball at the time. It's the reason why they knew that the World Series was thrown that year, because a lot of baseball games back then were being thrown. And so everyone knew it. They they knew what it looked like. And it was very obvious that, that that's what it was. Um one thing I will say though, I think the only way you could really I don't think you can ever stop this. Because I I think there is always gonna be people who have a financial motivation to not do, not play their best or to intentionally throw a game because it's easier to bet on your team losing or yourself like contributing to losing than it is to bet on your team to win. It's just much easier. It's, it's much more predictable because you can control that part. You can't really control if you win or not as much as you can control if you lose. Uh, here's what I will say, though, about that. The only way you can really try to curb this as much as possible is if you are... Severe, You're harsh with your punishment for people who are caught doing this. Like, if I were the NFL and I had a, I had a player who was active, because I think Calvin Ridley, I think you can make an exception for, because he was not playing at the time. He was injured. Um, but let's say that, you know, in the case of, like, wasn't there like an Iowa quarterback who was betting on the unders for his team's games? Now imagine if you've got players who we know are betting against their team, betting on their team to lose, or betting on statistics to that that they can have some measure of control over, like a starting quarterback betting the under the 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 under on the total for the game, banned for life. I don't think you can have that person that's immediately strip your eligibility, you're gone for life. I think the, that's the only way you could really curb that sort of behavior because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you protect the integrity of your sport because yeah. the government's going to get involved in that The because there's antitrust. Uh, uh, there, there's a lot, you know, whenever there is any sort of money being put on that and you've have some, some measure of control there, the government's going to get involved because they don't, they're already heavily involved with sports betting anyways. And all of these books are very, very compliant when it
1: comes to the government because they heavily scrutinize. I mean, it. They, they have to deal with the NFL and, and yeah. pro athletes and everything. Here's All the, the time. Here's the official rules that came out June 30th, 2023. The new guidelines adopted this week by Division I Legislative Committee calls for a permanent collegiate ban yep. if any players found to have bet on their games, influence the outcome of those games, bets on other sports at their school. So you can't even bet on yeah. like a different sport. Even other sports. ones, yeah. Knowingly provided information to someone engaged in sports betting. So if you call, so I remember was it uh, was it Who was it? I don't I don't know the specific at Texas A and M, and he had like a, a sheet for their alumni or whatever, like yeah. who's injured, who's not. Well, that's right. a symbol for betters? Oh yeah, Where, like if you're playing for a team and you're like, hey, hey Chris, I don't, I think uh, player X playing this week. Or, he or he plays plays really but hurt, he's really hurt, hard. He's, he's playing, there, but, he's but man, yeah. he, he can't throw the football Exactly. In practice. Yeah. I don't know about us playing such and such this week. Here's the other one. NCAA student-athletes are prohibited from wagering not only on popular collegiate sports, such as football and basketball, but also on uh, collegiate sports like synchronized swimming, As well as professional leagues such as the NBA, NFL, NHL. If you're betting on
0: synchronized swimming, you've got a problem. It's like betting on preseason football. Yeah, exactly. You've got a problem if you're betting on preseason football. I I think that's how you do it. And I think they're going to have to – these guys are going to have to get weeded out, and they're going to have to be made an example of. And I'm generally not a proponent for, like, severe punishment Yeah. because I think that, like, I do believe in second chances for a lot of people, but, like, this is an issue that the NCAA cannot afford to go soft on. This is not, they can't be forgiving in this instance because the government is looking for reasons to, to try and uh, make an example out of a sports book for allowing corrupt bets out there. And that's just, that's just something they're going to have to to deal with. None of these books want to deal with that. And none of these leagues want to deal with that because it damages their reputation. So I'm actually all for them being as severe as they need to be in this situation. Cause it is a very touchy issue, and with so much money being out there on the line, and with football and basketball in general being sports that are incredibly taken incredibly serious by the general public, you cannot have the results of games being tossed out there. Especially, you don't, you, you don't want to wonder. You don't yeah. want to get, like,
1: like I mentioned to you, and it, it's not a particular game or anything. Right. But if you've seen something in the past, even like ten years ago, and you've seen just this egregious interception or fumble, and you're like. How the hell did that happen? Yeah. Or, but it has been, we've had gambling scandals in college athletics. Yeah.
0: Both in basketball and football. Yeah. And not only that, but we've also, there's like naturally, there are a lot of people in our society who are conspiratorial in nature. And whenever their team loses, a lot of times they will default to cheating. There was some sort of cheating. I mean, I see it all the time. I, I, I have this hobby where I like to go on like the, uh, the SB Nation websites for opposing teams that yeah. the Chiefs play in the playoffs, and I like to look at the message board during the game as the Chiefs beat them in the playoffs and their hopes for a championship disappear. And at the end of the game, it is always oh, the refs. The NFL wants the Chiefs to win. It's like that. It's like that every game every year. Well, it's, they, it's been like that for years. Well, that's now. the other thing too. The refs. yeah, and like especially if they're in that's you know, thing.
1: that's coming out. Oh, yeah, eventually someone's
0: getting busted, someone's getting busted for sure. That's absolutely gonna happen. We yeah. already it's saw the Tim, Tim Donahue's Donahue.
1: situation in the college football.
0: Yeah, I'm not kidding.
1: Yeah, the Tim Donahue because situation, their friends, or their uncle, their exactly. brother brother, whatever mm-hmm. made a bet, mom, dad, whatever, or they
0: made a bet because in that case they were making bets, like Tim Donahue was and making bets, and they directly bets.
1: influenced the game,
0: exactly. And they were able to, to shave points, they were able to add points. And that was really, really big for the result the game. I mean, these guys get
1: themselves in debt to to, to gambling and, hey, you want to make amends? You want to make this up? Here you go.
0: Exactly. And so that's the reason why uh, they got to be really, really strict with the punishments for this. Because if you're not strict about it, if you allow this stuff to continue and you're kind of giving people second chances... I just don't think you can trust people in that situation. So I I definitely think they got to be swift and they got to be strict about the punishments here. Another issue that's kind of popped up in college, NIL. It has become very, very prevalent around here. It has been a big determining factor in where players go now. I've seen it. You've seen it. Players making decisions on where they're going to go to school, transferring or, or, or committing to a school based on NIL. I mean, One of the biggest examples we saw was with Kansas basketball this year, where uh, was it Hunter Dickinson was a, was a big man for Michigan. He entered the transfer portal, transferred to KU this year uh, for this coming season. And basically it was about NIL. Like I think he said the max offer he got from Michigan was for $600,000 and he got a seven figure offer from KU. Thus he makes the transfer. Um, now you have the government getting involved. You've got uh, members of the U.S. Congress introducing bills in an attempt to try and create some sort of limits to NIL. Should there be any limits to name, image, and likeness payments for these athletes? Because like a lot of the prominent coaches... The big name coaches are speaking out against. Nick Saban's talked down, talked about this in in a negative light. So is Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin the last few weeks has been has been really vocal about this.
1: I, how? <laughs> it's the first question. How? I, I think once uh, the box is open, um, how would you do it? How would you do it? I'm curious. How would you do it? Report it. What if it's non-reported? So here's...
0: here's uh, like, what would be your suggestions? I believe the way you do it is you have to have some sort of centralized reporting system out there that allows you to essentially monitor the transactions that happen between these schools where there's official offers. There's not just... Because like, you remember the Jalen Rashada thing that happened with Florida earlier this year where Rashada was... Basically signed a four-year, uh, thirteen million dollar deal to go play for K for to play for Florida, and then uh, right before he signed before on national on early signing day in December, he was supposed to be given uh, a fee up front, a portion of that up front. He didn't get it, and so it kind of held off his signing with Florida by a, an hour. He eventually signed, but then actually asked at, to be let out of his letter of intent because they had not made any payments on it. And it turns out the backer that had made that, uh, that that had basically was supposed to front the money for it, got cold feet and decided not to
1: pay for that. Well, you know how the rule was set up, Like you can't go to a school because you're getting so much money, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be after you signed. Yeah. That was the like after you signed. Then some States have a deal where you can start getting the money before you actually go and play, but you're playing for state school. So it's different, but the NCAA's not changed that, did they? They didn't change that rule, did they? Where you can't, if you're offered one million dollars to go to one school and half a million for the other, like you, you can't be offered the money before you go, can you? Yeah. Even though I think it happens. Yeah, I mean, I the pro, yeah, and and we're I'm seeing now uh,
0: Williams not one area. They didn't actually put the announcement up here, but it looks like he committed to Mizzou. So, oh, he did commit yeah, to, Mizzou? It's like committed to Mizzou. So, drink just got himself a, a top five, either one or three, depending on where you're going. It appears that uh, Nawaneri is going to be headed to uh, Mizzou.
1: What a huge get!
0: Yeah, that is a that's, that's a real big get for him. It certainly is a, a a big move to help out their recruiting class for sure because, again, they were not ranked very highly. Uh, so again, if, if that is true, yeah, he I didn't uh, think they
1: got others receiving votes, did they, in the AP today? I don't remember seeing him in the others receiving votes. Kansas had like 10. Yeah. I mean, I I think there's a lot of question marks
0: about the Mizzou team this year. Uh, So that's what it looks like. But yeah, I mean, in this situation here, if you have a centralized platform where groups can be registered with the NCAA to make official offers, they can make those offers in that portal. And then with that portal there, you can track and ensure like, like, you know, how T te- NFL teams or NBA teams, whenever they like agree to a contract with the player, that money is immediately taken from the team and put into an escrow account where it cannot be touched, except whenever that money is, uh, whenever that money is paid out to the player, or if the team, or if like money goes back to the team, then it goes from that account to the team's account, but it goes into an escrow account. And then that away, the backer can't just pull the money later. They have to agree. Okay, if I'm going to do make an offer, I got to put this money into that account, and then that way you don't have a Jalen uh, Jaden Rashada situation happen. That's probably your best way of of handling this.
1: But I, I honestly don't think there needs to be controls over who can offer what. It's just so tough, you know. To say you might strike a deal or whatever, and they're not going to pay you till you sign or whatever. But my biggest thing too is. When guys have a deal and they transfer, they hit the portal. Like if it's such and such dealership locally that offers you a Porsche or whatever, and you're driving the car because you're going to state university, and then you transfer, uh, evidently, obviously, you give the car back or whatever. But what if it's not that? What if it's money given to players? I always thought this might help too—the bowl games and stuff for guys that stay and play because they got money coming in for staying and playing in those games. Yeah. But eventually, how many of these deals? Because we, we haven't seen the ramifications of this yet. It hadn't been enough time. But they will have thirty for thirties and stuff like that. Um eventually. But they'll okay, maybe you're a company paying for for an athlete, they're gonna want their cash back. If yeah. you didn't fulfill your right. And, and I think that's also gotta be a part of it too. Like let's
0: say you didn't come you didn't fulfill your commitment. That money from that escrow immediately gets paid back. That's like a prorated amount based on on whatever wasn't fulfilled in the commitment. So if you only are there for one of the four years, then whatever is left over based on the agreement gets paid back to whoever funded that money. I think that's the best way you do it. But I, I don't think there should be any issues with other schools recruiting players. As long as you do it in an official manner and you do it during a certain period. So it can't be like, uh, you know, during, you know, halfway through the season, a player gets benched, and then all of a sudden another school starts approaching them about making an offer halfway through. It has to be only during an official period. And certainly that's not going to be completely 100% followed. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that that's the best way you, you handle that situation there. So, yeah, there is a lot of nuances to this whole discussion here. I I, I said, I just don't want it to get to a point where you've got the top coaches trying to limit how much movement these players can have when you have these coaches really not having very much in the way of limits of movement too. Because if you got a guy like, like Lane Kiffin has been one of the most vocal opponents of this and saying there needs to be more controls over this. Lane Kiffin is also a guy who has just basically upped and left his school very quickly and left his players Uh, high and dry. When he was at Tennessee, he was there for one year, and he was promising them the world. And then, next thing you know, the next year, he's
1: off down to LA to go coach for the Trojans. It's tough when you're sitting in living rooms looking at mom and dad and making promises that you you can't deliver on. It just changes. This whole sport, and here's the one thing about it. I I think as traditional college football fans like myself and you, these are extraneous things that you don't like keeping up with. I mean, here's the thing. I go every year been doing it forever in June to uh, Barnes and Noble and get all the college football previews. Oh, yeah, Eichlini you did. Yeah. Phil Steele. I mean, you I love all... you go to Barnes and Noble for that yeah, because they got a very, they usually have about everything. It does not matter <laughs> which bookstore, but that's the one I, you, you, I typically you go, go to, the, to. You go to the actual physical bookstore. It's the only time I walk in there. Yeah, it's the only time I got <laughs> I was up. about to say it doesn't seem like you got a place. It's the only time I go in there, obviously, <laughs> is to get college football magazines because they got so many. And I go in there, and like now, it's a roadmap, man. Finding out where everybody, Sam Harbin's now at Notre Dame. He's the uh, Notre Dame starting <laughs> live yeah. left. with wake force here before us, Bo Nix and Michael Pitting. You know, these guys are transferred out there, but some of these guys you're looking and go, Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that transfer that went on there. So just kind of reacclimating with nil, without well, nil, uh, the portal. <laughs> the portals caused me more confusion than anything because I really don't want to know what guys are getting paid and not in their inner workings. And nor do I really care how much they're getting paid. You can get, get whatever you want. But with the coaches now and how basically the portal is free agency. Cause it used to be all these coaches that are really worried about the job, they'd go out and get like twelve recruits that were at JUCO. Like that's one way to get your program back fast. Yeah, is or graduate transfers too. But now it's the portal. May the graduate transfers. And now it's the yeah. portal, man. That's become free agency. And to me, there's the there's the smallest margin between pro coach and college coach we've ever seen. Yeah. I was talking to this about people, I was like, Man, think about it though. Like I remember Bobby Bowden we used to come on, you know, and talk. He said he'd worry about midnight phone calls. You worry about because what a player do? What they do how much do they take money or what yeah, like, yeah, worry about the midnight phone calls?
0: Or them getting in trouble or whatever. But those yeah. things
1: you work on like, scholarships are a series of one-year scholarships, kind of. And, and got players that have their scholarships pulled. And yep, you name it, exactly. The coach had the power. Like Urban Meyer, when he was Ohio State, he had the power. Well, what happens now? Transfer portal. It didn't matter. Guys can now transfer in your conference. Before they couldn't. There was a big no-no. Like Ooh. teams would you have teams would have to sign off. Like we'll let you off, but you're not going to the SEC. Right. Like we'll yeah. let you out of your your scholarship at exactly. Alabama, but you're not going to the SEC. Yeah, we don't want to see with Georgia. The coaches would have to agree to allow yeah. them to move. Like we're fine with you going the Big Twelve or the you just Pac can't go 12, to these whatever. schools. Just don't go to these schools. They can put certain schools there that we didn't. Like Clemson, you wouldn't go to South Carolina or whatever. You wouldn't or Kansas, Kansas State, you name it. Um, with certain restrictions, but all that power has gone. Now players can just leave, and you understand why coaches do it. It's free. The sport has changed. That's why we're going to see. Well, look at conference realignment. <laughs> we don't go for that's <laughs> totally changed the game. But we're going to see the meaningless bowl games gone. Even though I do like them, I say the word meaningless, but don't take it to heart because I just do like cracking open a beer, man. Some nachos on December 15th whatever it is and flip it on and watching college football yeah, game. I mean they are, I still they enjoy are that stuff. They are I, meaningless. Yeah. Well, they are meaningless, but I enjoy it. They are good. Yeah. It's like preseason football. Actually, I like those games better than preseason football. They are better. They're it's not usually even better. close. They're usually better than even preseason. Even though a lot of the guys football. aren't playing anymore, which has changed things again, Chris. Yeah.
0: My big thing is like you remember Manny Diaz, the uh who was he was defensive coordinator at Miami. Yep. Then he took the Temple head coaching job. And then 2 weeks later right like literally like a few days after early signing day in december mark Rick steps down as head coach of miami yep. and then he i think this was like 4 days after early signing day he had been on the job for 11 days total got 18 players to sign early and then he transferred and then he he quit his job at temple and then took the head coaching job at miami didn't last that long i think he got fired after like no, after he, like 3 it
1: was years. Quick. It didn't matter he's
0: gone But like think about these guys aren't even staying and getting their their mortgage. He he wasn't even in Philadelphia where Temple is. He was doing all that work still in Miami. And when he found out about Mark Rick retiring because of his health, that's when he took that job. And it's like, think about it. You got 18 kids to sign early to go play at Temple, and you did all that recruiting. You probably. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many of those guys he flipped or whatnot, or were uncommitted and then committed there and then signed. But think about it. Put in work. Got these kids to go play there. We know that these kids commit to the coach, not the school. And now the guy that they committed to dipped just a few days after they signed. Well,
1: there's some that say, terrible. "No, it's the program because they grew up in the state of Ohio. They're no. going to Ohio State because they hate Michigan, whatever." You go for the coach because you want to know who's going to get you to next level. Exactly you know it's like Caleb Williams moving around the country why do you do that why do you go with Lincoln Riley cuz he likes Lincoln exactly. Riley cuz he's going to showcase him offensively and what to do and a lot of guys they go because of the coach and you know what it used to be well you if you were you were kind of stuck at the school with the transfer portal you can follow the coach at least that time so you commit to him you can follow him wherever they go yeah i mean if that were the case then you would not. Whenever
0: you see movement from from team to team, you they wouldn't be able to take yeah. players if they like you. If they like you're gone. you,
1: they're they're going to yeah. follow you. So it just changed. It's it sucks a little bit, but I'm glad the playoffs are expanding. And th- I think they need to expand a little more. I think 16 is kind of where they need to 16 be. 16 is like the perfect. When you're going to get the power like this, but then you, they say, "Well, how many games do you play?" Well, get used to it because the NFL you play 17 regular season games. So, and here's the thing. Remember the old excuse. When they, when they started the BCS, they're going to miss so much class time. Yeah. Well, first of all, you got more than half the NCAA schools playing bowl games, which means they're practicing into finals, after finals, and you name it. They're still doing Most it. Most of these kids are missing class time <laughs> anyways. But here's the thing. You don't miss class. Like, a lot of times you're playing your conference, Yeah. well, yeah, I get these conference games now. We're like going to be across the country. Well, yeah, now Some you're going to fly across the country. But yeah. beforehand, okay, You play half your games at home, which you don't leave anywhere. The other ones, you leave on Friday afternoon so they don't miss any class. You take your class in the morning on Friday, and you leave. College basketball, hell, rowing, you miss more. You miss baseball. I mean, you miss more class in any other sport, but the big money maker, which is football, and these guys miss no class. Some of them do,
0: like because they still have the the Wednesday and fr- the Thursday and Friday games. But even if they do, like you can take online classes, you can make up work. But it's still, less. So you know. it's like it it does like the whole missing class thing doesn't
1: matter. And, and those are close games too. Usually, and, it's like and, MAC in the middle of the country, and not, it's like Western Michigan going to Central Michigan playing. Not only
0: that, but like some of these schools been been cheating anyways with the classes, and they've been they've been hooking uh, but the their bottom line up, is so the, college matter. football
1: players miss less class than any other sport yeah yeah so like
0: that part so so getting to the uh edge preview for 2024 right now you have it's not quite as many uh, uh guys projected to be potential first rounders as like receiver or quarterback like we've we've previewed the last couple weeks but there's really like two schools that have two potential first round edge rushers uh one of those is Ohio State. Ohio State's got this kid
1: named uh, JT
0: Tui Malau. I
1: mean, this guy is, <laughs> might be the best edge rusher in this draft class. That guy is. Yeah. I I think definitely top three because the Jared Verse, I think, of Florida State. This is guy number is, one. This is a name you're not gonna be able to Look, say. Right. Jared I know JT. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Call you, him JT. You, Just call you him JT. Mao Loa Yeah, two Molowau. Yeah, Dallas Turner. And they're going to let him loose. He wasn't rushing nearly as much yeah, with Will he's, Anderson there. Yeah, he's there. going to be real good. He's going to be turned loose. But Jared Verse, I Jared love Verse, Florida, Florida State. State. Yep. Loved you. Jared Verse, I think, will be the first edge taken in this year's uh, I class. I'm kind
0: of leaning towards towards Tumaloa, but I do think Verse has a very good chance. He, it was funny. He was draft eligible this past year, but did not enter the draft. Because he was a guy that I was seeing on Way Too Early's last year. and I, So I was watching him early in the season, and I wasn't super impressed with him. But I think that this year, a little bit more time under
1: his belt. I think he had some, he might have had some injury issues. And In Ohio State, on the other side, has got Jack Sawyer. Jack Sawyer, and they're going to let him loose this year. Yes, he'll begin to the quarterback. So you have two great edge rushers at Ohio State, and Jack Sawyer. A lot of times, people have anywhere from twenty something, twenty third to second round. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Jack Sawyer go all over the place. But again, two dominant edge rushers um, at Ohio State this year. Washington's he'll got find a couple. themselves. As far as being top ten, uh, I think JT a great chance to be top ten. Jared Verse, I think, is for sure top ten. Me too. Talent, and I think Dallas Turner will end up being top five, maybe at some point. We don't know. We'll like Dallas Turner, will see how he plays. We'll but, see, yeah. But they always scheme up an edge rusher, and Dallas Turner is now the Will Anderson. Yeah, he's kind of it's kind of like, like how they do
0: a running backs too. Like usually they they have a very good running back there. Like this year, we saw Jared Gibbs, uh, Jameer Gibbs, get overdrafted by the uh, by the Lions this year going 12th overall I there's a very I think there's a very good chance that Dallas Turner is able to kind of play his way up part of it being the creed of all these really good edge rushers we've seen come out of Alabama obviously Will Anderson Jr. Uh, just got drafted third overall by the Texans earlier this year but Washington's got a couple of guys too I think you you definitely yeah, want to watch out for Pac-12 actually
1: well the what former is, is now the Pac-4 well, it's, It'll be it's the still Pac-4. Pac-12, Pac-12, Pac-12 the, this week but, but yeah you, you talk about uh, Braylon Trice, Braylon Trice. Out, of, out of Washington and then I'll say the Z- I'll say the okay, name, I'll ahead. say the Zion. name.
0: Zion Tupuola-Fetui. I call him ZTF. Yeah,
1: ZT. Yeah, ZTF. Uh, in yeah. Latu at uh, UCLA. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Liatu Latu. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's another guy. And also that, Brandon Notorious at Oregon. So you got all these mm-hmm. uh, Pac-12 guys. And
0: then there's uh, a kid in the, uh, besides the Ohio State guy, Sawyer and uh, Tui Maloau, Uh, There's also Penn State guy, Chop Robinson, Robinson. great name. Uh, That's another guy to watch for. And then in the ACC for Virginia, you've got Chico Bennett Jr., who is another guy I've seen as a potential first-round edge rusher. There's a lot of guys to watch out for. Certainly Ohio State, Washington, Alabama, Florida State, those are going to be the schools you really want to watch out for. Um, I'm going to be – because I – I don't think the Chiefs are going to be in in it for an edge rusher this year unless it's a disaster, but certainly I wouldn't put it past them if there was a guy falling out of this group or somewhere else yeah. and they were like a Joshua Kando type, really athletic type. I would not be shocked if the Chiefs like third day, early third day, like we've seen them do before with Kando and Thompson. No more of that red shirting, man. Go, go with a guy like but
1: that. But even at Michigan, it, today the AP poll came out. Is recording is on Monday. Yeah, the new AP. But Michigan was second, which by the way, doesn't look like Hardball is going to miss any games. For the team yeah, that. I didn't think so either. But Chris Jenkins and uh, Josiah Stewart, two studs for Michigan, going as well. But here's the one thing, Chris: is I think it is top heavy when you look at the Jared versus and and um, and, and when you look at uh, JT and guys like uh,
0: Jack Sawyer, Jack Sawyer, and Dallas, Dallas Turner. Turner, and those
1: guys. It is top heavy. But I think we've seen this, this shift the last three years. You know, I love that stat on on this program when we talk about edge rushers. You know, 1 through 16, man. That's where a predominant number of them went the last two years. Except we've started to see more guys like Karloftis mold at the end of the first round and getting guys in the second round. We've seen a seismic shift now when you can get rushers. Because honestly, I look at top 20 every year, like you know, and they are predominantly – 1 through 16, 1 through 18, 1 through – and now it's starting to switch out to maybe 1 through 27. 1 through 28 is where you see a lot of the top 20 sackers go. But we're seeing a shift now of, of some of the edge rushers where you can get quality guys towards the end. And I think it matters on the quarterback class, which this year, there could be six to nine quarterbacks in the first round or the wide receivers. Because last year we, we was down on wide receivers. I was higher on them than I think – most a lot of people were. were, yeah. But this wide receiver class, like I say, is it's pretty up, great. They're gonna end up being good. They're gonna end up being good, a lot of these guys. And everybody's still worried about Quentin Johnston, by the way. Yeah, of course they are. I mean he got a touchdown, but he drops some on it. Yeah, team.
0: yeah. I mean, look, look, we kind of knew that there was Feast some question family, marks man. about him. Yeah,
1: it's it is very much like. I'm that still on been. the Jalen Hyatt train. Yeah, yeah. I supposedly he's been doing well in camp. We'll but see. regardless, Chris, with these edges, I think it's switching to if you wanted an edge, can you get a top five, top six edge? Drafting at thirty-two, yeah, maybe the Felix might be there. You know, you might get that many people because they're going to have first-round grades on. Well, this year was different. It's about sixteen guys or first-round grades. The year before, it was about twenty guys first-round grades. As far as what teams thought of grades, you're going to start seeing a lot of fringe one or second-round talent still available at thirty-two. If that's the direction a team that was picking at the end of the first round, like the Chiefs have. Picking at the end of the first round. The depth is there, I think, for Edge. You're not getting the top quality one unless you get down to the top 10. But the Carloftis is the world. I believe this is kind of a Carloftis style draft with a lot of these guys. I,
0: I kind of feel like it's kind, it's it, what you're starting to see a shift with teams kind of going with a committee approach as far as their pass rush goes, instead of like, okay, we need this one guy who's gonna go get, you know, 12, 15 sacks a game, um, a, a season. Now it's like, okay, well, let's have like that one guy who can get double digit sacks. And then let's have like two or three guys that we know can get you somewhere in that six to eight, usually like right about the eight-ish mark. And then have some other guys who are rotational and they can get you like four or five. And that like the Chiefs did that last year. Chris Jones, 15 and a half sacks. After that, it was you had like Four sacks from uh, from uh, what's his name uh, Carlos Dunlap. You got six sacks from George Karloftis. You had like I think was it four and a half from Frank Clark. Mike Dana had Bolden like five you, sacks too. Yeah, yeah. Bolton got you a
1: couple. Leo
0: yeah, like that's they kind of it was like a committee approach where you just had, the secondary. You had a bunch of contenders there, and certainly yeah, there, there's going to be guys there in the secondary that'll contribute that that contributed there. We I mean, Lejarius Sneed, Trent McDuffie contributed a little bit. Um, I, I kind of feel like that's where teams are going to go with there's being so much of these rotations, even at the collegiate level. It's a rotation game now. It's not we got the same D line. We're going to play the entire game. It's well, we've got our A, our A line and then our B line and we'll switch guys out. And I think that that's going to be the situation at the NFL, too, where teams are going to kind of want to have a nice like probably like. Four edge rushers that they can think could go potentially five plus, and probably at least one or two interior guys they think can go five plus, and that's going to be their rotation. And they're right. going to want some depth and some and some
1: versatility. But the Chiefs get their sacks from everywhere, just like this last preseason. I know it's preseason, but. They were blitzing all different directions. Shamari Connor, gotta say, that was my guy. Shamari yeah, Connor, you did like him a lot. Yeah. He was my favorite pick. I said after the draft, yeah. I said this is my. He was definitely the Chiefs kind of guy. Yeah, it, it's four phaser on, on special teams, play all those. Not only that, he was a nickel in the nickel. He started the nickel. He started the corner. He started a safety. Yeah, he played G-Zach, everywhere. In in Led him in sacks in two thousand. Again, this was a luxurious Sneed type pick to me. Yeah, me he too. You can shut I down your so. tight end and things like that. He gets the first sack uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Shamari Connor.
0: Yeah, so I think that is where, like, nowadays it's like, that's why you're starting to see the the value yep. of these edge rushers. Versatility. Push back because they're versatile. Spags they will rush from
1: everywhere, man. He's said the trend. He'll, like, like you said, he'll he'll blitz from the secondary with Jerry Snade, guys like that with Connor. I mean, he wants guys that could, Tyron Matthew yeah. was the key to that because he's very much yeah. all defensive backs and quarterback pressure since he came in the league when the Chiefs went out and signed him. So he knows how to get to the quarterback.
0: So pivoting here to the to the, our final topic. Chiefs, Sunday, played against the New Orleans Saints, down in the big easy. They uh lost 26 24. Very we're leading by 10, we're trailing by 10 points, made a comeback in the second half, uh, got a lead. Then obviously, that a turnover at the end of the game led to a game winning field goal for the Saints. A lot of people freaking out about the Starting defense not really doing great. The fourth and one play where you have Blake Bell doing the tight end sneak that the, they That was the only years. play that
1: mattered in the whole game. Yeah, that like, was literally
0: a, that was a bad call. It was it was. I mean, that should be the last time they ever run. It's Colin Saunders over there. Yeah, he knew doing. he knew it too. He's calling it out. That should be the last time they run that play. Who from that game, as far as rookies go, was
1: the most impressive for you? People are gonna say Nico. Because Nico yeah, because he, yeah, he made a really good catch in that I mean, game. Yeah. Fresno State guy that, that comes in here, and there's some undrafted guys. But, again, we've seen this before. Like they're, like uh, with um, um, Fountain, D'Reese Fountain. Yeah, D'Reese Fountain, but yeah. But here's the one yeah. thing, and I always caution people that will say, hey, man, did you see so-and-so? I'm like, listen, who were they playing against? And don't say New Orleans Saints. I'm talking about future USFL guys, future XFL guys, Future guys selling for State Farms. Future special teams guys. Yeah. Future guys selling for State yeah. Farms or, or car dealerships. Or, or working at Costco. Yeah, Because that's who you're playing against. Okay? Do it against the ones. Like Rasheed Rice got some time with the ones. I like that. I like Rasheed Rice. I like the fact he's getting open. Like, I love that toughness that he brings. Like, I really like that. But again, who are you playing? How, when, what time of the game are you in and who are you playing against? Just like when I see these videos of guys getting these touchdown catches at the training camp. I'm like, okay. Who they catch it against? Like who? Who do they? Who do they go up and get the catch against? Justin Ross looked good on minute. Justin Ross looked really good. Yeah, because you got to be. in Richie James, man, I come away more I think from him than anybody else. And it's not a rookie because the guy had a breakout year. With yeah, his he's Lions, been in the league for a while. But he's he showed me a lot. But as far as rookies for this team, I'm going to say Shamari Connor on defense and. uh and Rasheed Rice, I like what he did. And I know that the and all these guys and Justin Ross and all that, but as far as rookies, Rasheed Rice to me uh showcased something. I don't know what you thought about Rasheed Rice. I just like the way he ran his routes. I don't like the separation he had. He got. looked
0: he looked good. The 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 two guys that really jumped out to me though, one obviously Tremari Connor looked oh,
1: really yeah. good. I I, I uh, love
0: this. We said this when he got drafted. It's like this is a spags type of DJ. That's right. he could play in the slot. He can play safety he can play corner he can blitz he he, he's a very willing tackler in the run game like he does everything that they like in a safety and it he kind of comes off to me as the replacement for justin reed in a year or two so yeah i very much think that that connor is their kind of guy so I was really impressed. I was very happy that they were willing to to show him off. He'll as a get blitzer snaps early. the ones this
1: year. He yeah, will. I think so too. He'll get snaps the ones.
0: I think very much, uh, especially if he's able to like work his way up as that third safety instead of Mike Edwards. Yeah. Absolutely, they'll they'll put him out there if he shows he can do it. The other guy though that I was impressed by was uh, Felix. Felix was one. He I think he was tied or had the most snaps of the game. He was generating pressure coming off the edge to a point where like they had to chip him yeah this pressure
1: changed.
0: That yes. was the second, third. yeah. like he's a guy, I think has earned some reps with the ones. Obviously, we won't know what he's going to do until he actually's out there with the ones and showing what he can he can do. He has gotten reps in camp already with the ones, and he's kind of traded victories with with Donovan Smith. Which is either a really good sign for Felix or a really bad sign for Donovan Smith. He did lead away 46%. Yeah, because he's gonna cause he's gonna I mean, obviously Donovan Smith looks like he's gonna be the starting left tackle for the team. So if he's got a rookie out here beating him in, in one-on-ones like that, uh, pretty consistently, you know, back and forth, uh, I kinda wonder if that's a bad sign for him. But I, I will say this. The fact that Felix has come in and he's kind of been a very quick learner and worked his way up to getting a lot of reps out there. I'll shaking be, off the
1: injury. Yeah, and, yeah,
0: shaking off that injury, which which held him out for much of the pre for much of the, the offseason. I'm really interested to see what his growth is and when we get to week one, how much is he gonna play against the Lions? Because Noah Minahue out there, so you expect that he'll, I mean, obviously Daniel will probably end up being the starter off the edge, and the Chris Jones, that yeah.
1: who knows when he signs, yeah, but and I, how I, much how rusty is he gonna be, right? And
0: I think Danny Shelton's probably played his way into some more playing time at the at a three tech, but I'm really interested to see what they do with that other edge spot, and I think if Felix keeps working his way up and 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 grinding he could see some pretty significant time early and on i think that would be a really good sign for the on passing
1: downs yeah yeah I, passing
0: yep. downs more so than that but like i think there's some value there so i'm really excited about what he could bring to the table if he continues to grind the fact that he was out there for so long the fact that he was able to generate some pressure and the fact that you know spags has had, had a lot of great things to say about him is a very good sign for uh, for him in the future i think he's going to be a bit of a project but he has shown throughout his football career that he can pick things up, and if he, he can be develop. Carl
1: Loftus and just you know, yeah, kind of see the light bulb bar on week seven, week eight.
0: That'd be great. That'd be perfect. Yeah, you know, if he could do that, and then on top of that, prove to be versatile like he was in college, where he's rushing inside, rushing outside. That'd be great. So that is it for this week's edition of the Character Concerns podcast. We will be back here next week. We will again. Preview another position to watch out for in this year's draft class during uh, this year's college football season. On top of that, we will continue to bring you the top news from college football. There might be some more realignment stories out here. Uh, Cal and Stanford reportedly. There are four schools in ACC that have said they would vote against those schools joining the conference.
1: So, we had Notre Dame get a vote. Exactly a basketball. Exactly.
0: There. Exactly. There's just there's a lot of craziness going on right now. Uh if there's any changes with like the NIL or Transfer Portal, we'll obviously talk about that as well. There's a lot of things to cover here in the uh in the world of college football. And certainly we'll keep you previewed on next year's draft class. So for Jay Binkley, I'm Kristen Osero. We thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys next week.